and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, legislative reporter Emma Graney, and this is the modernly furnished with a sweeping view of the city edition. <laughs> <laughs> with me today, we have my fellow legislative reporter, Janet French. Good morning. Hello. City columnist, Paula Simons. You, you, are, you are just like the kiss me deadly girl. <laughs> <laughs> and legislative columnist, Graham Thompson. Congratulations. On what? Uh, anyway. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today, of course, we're going to be talking about the United Conservative Party MLA, Derek Fildebrand, renting out his taxpayer-subsidized apartment on Airbnb. We'll also talk very briefly about Premier Rachel Notley's Pipeline tour this week. Less exciting than a band tour, I would say, but... I'm not the one who went. Janet is, so you'll have to tell me about 110% that. 110% more hot. <laughs> and we'll also briefly just uh, talk about Brad Wall's resignation and what that means for Alberta. But yeah, let's kick things off with Derek Fildebrand. <laughs> real estate, real estate, real estate, location, location, location. It is all about location. Now, Derek Fildebrand's apartment is only a couple of blocks from the journal. Fun fact. There we go. Okay, what are please we, go what, on. What, how are we going to talk about this? <laughs> because it's your story, which is why I say congratulations. Really good story. And I got a result. Um, that This is a story that Emma broke about uh, Filderbrand not only taking the maximum allowable allowance for his um, residence in Edmonton, because he lives outside of Edmonton. Of course, he's from Strathmore. Um, $23,000 a year. But then he was uh, renting out his government paid for apartment on Airbnb mm-hmm. and Emma got this story and then called him up for reaction what did he say <laughs> what did he say Emma <laughs> he basically said it well when I first called him um he wanted to know who put yeah. me up to the story the fact I've been working on it for two weeks didn't really seem to matter um so then I called him back and uh he said basically any 35-year-old would do the exact same thing. What a waste to leave an apartment empty for the time that it's not there. Yeah, so just for clear here, this is somebody taking money. He did not money. apologize. He thought it was fine. He, he didn't want to apologize. In fact, he got... Um, he got really he got really chippy about it. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's the thing. I mean, caught, caught doing something that, if not technically against the rules, is very embarrassing and looks particularly hypocritical for him as the former Alberta spokesperson for the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And also the finance critic yeah. for the UCP. So, you know, Mr. Fiscal Hawk, who it turns out is feathering his nest, we'll go with our bird metaphors here, um, <laughs> instead instead of having the good grace to say, you know, I never really thought of it that way. Thank you, Emma, for bringing, <laughs> for bringing the optics of this to my attention, and I shall deal with it forthwith. Instead, basically said... Go stuff yourselves. It's my apartment and I'll rent it if I want to. Originally, he said he wasn't going to talk about his living situation with anyone but his family and refused to say anything until I called him back. And we don't know what he's actually paying in rent. So again, no. he's getting $23,000 a year. They have an allowance. Now, the allowance used to be just a lump sum they got regardless. can put whatever they wanted towards rent. Now they're supposed to claim the actual amount that they're paying in rent, but they don't have to give receipts. So they can claim... <laughs> they the don't 20- have to give receipts? No this, this, no, this was changed last year thanks to Greg Clark saying they can claim up to $23,160 a year. Now, there is an audit process, I believe, so they're told to keep their receipts in case they're audited, but they don't have to actually file receipts to prove what they're actually paying in rent. But if they don't actually obey the rules, is there a penalty, Emma? 
There is not. There is no penalty. Oh, except in the court of public opinion where the penalty was harsh and swift. But the thing is, uh, wouldn't necessarily come out. They're not audited. Even if they are audited, it's not going to be made public. And one thing worth noting here, I, I spoke at length with the Speaker's Office about this. The Chief of Staff there who must be getting very sick of my calls because I placed so many questions to the guy on on Wednesday afternoon when I had finally confirmed that this was the case. In fact, when I first called him and I wanted to see if it was against the rules... And I was asking a few questions generally. And then I said, look, if there's an MLA here in Edmonton who is getting a full allowance and renting out that apartment on Airbnb, is that against the rules? Silence. Laughter. Are you kidding? I'm like, no. He's like, this is a hypothetical example. I went, no. <laughs> no, it's not. And he just was gobsmacked. And he told me, he, he went and checked into it and told me yesterday that they had no idea that this was happening. Derek Fildebrand told me that he had the whole thing cleared by the LAO, but the LAO are saying, no, we have no record of ever telling MLA Fildebrand that he could rent out his apartment on Airbnb. And he was saying others are doing it. He told me others are doing it. I've checked Um, with both parties, the UCP and mm. the, uh, the NDP, and they say they've checked. They know of nobody else who's doing this. He wouldn't give me names. I have asked the UCP that. In fact, I gave them, I asked them that on Wednesday night and at 8 o'clock last night, I still hadn't heard an answer to that question. So maybe there are. But the, the point is the Speaker's Office doesn't know of any because they didn't even know about Fildebrand doing it. Well, you know, the interesting thing too is, I mean, Fildebrand's allegation uh, right off the bat was that this was leaked to you by Brian Jean, that this was a smear campaign from Jean's mm-hmm. campaign, which Jean's campaign denies and which, you know, you, you tell us you've been working on this for, for weeks now to confirm it. But if Brian Jean and the Wildrose Party knew Fildebrandt was doing this, why didn't they shut it down? You know, what, what I was told is that they had told him to stop and that they thought he had. Right. I've heard the same thing. But it's interesting. The if he's doing nothing wrong, how's it a smear? Exactly. You can't, you can't be smeared by something that's not wrong. <laughs> well, he thinks it's not wrong, right? So how, how can it be a leak? That's the word he used, right? Leak? And smear campaign. Because he said, because Janet's right. He said, oh, it's all transparent. It's all on A, B, and B. Like, I mean, you can read the reviews. Derek has a great apartment, you know, nice and clean, like the furniture, like the view. <laughs> Actually, I mean, one said, a little bit dusty. He should really work on that. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and, one, and one said, oh, you know, the ten, he expected the people before us to clean, and they didn't really, so he needs to get... But, you know, Janet's right. And I mean, that's terrible Airbnb hosting, by the way. You know, you've really got to clean up your apartment before someone comes in to rent it. But, but yeah, I mean, Janet's right. How can it be a leak and transparent at the same time? Yeah, or a smear campaign and also totally fine at the same time. A foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. There we go. Ralph um, Waldo Emerson. Yes. I was going to say, where's that quote from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, and the thing is, uh, your story broke on um, Thursday morning. When, yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday night. It Wednesday went night well, on yeah, Twitter. But, okay, right, overnight, <laughs> yes. it was. The, those, of, those of us who are hip on the Twitter. <laughs> yeah. My husband told me, just turn off your phone, Emma, and go to bed. Because I hadn't actually slept much in two days, just my stupid insomnia. <laughs> and he was like, you're not going to sleep tonight if that phone keeps buzzing at you. Well, and in the morning, of course, the story really caught fire on the Twitter. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was up at 5 o'clock. I was retweeting it and getting into conversations with people. But then, of course, at 6 o'clock, 6.15 roughly, Filterband puts out a statement saying, okay, fine, I'm willing to give this money you know, despite it being a smear campaign, 
and done nothing wrong. I'll give it to the provincial debt, $2,555 that he got in Airbnb. Now, we have no way of confirming it. That's what they actually got. Mm-hmm. But um, say, give it to, to, the, uh, to the provincial debt. That's so cheeky. <laughs> well, the thing is, and he's saying, you know, I did nothing wrong. But, of course, his supporters are saying, good for him. He's a principled young man. He's doing the right thing. <laughs> Very, yeah, on, very entrepreneurial. <laughs> yes, you said entrepreneurial. <laughs> Enterprising, you know. <laughs> so he, yes, yeah, so he got caught on this. He knows how bad it looks. And then he ends up having to give the money to basically to the government. But of course, the story does not end there. It just continues, continues throughout Thursday. And then yesterday, he gave sort of a semi-apology saying, I apologize for this not being taken or, or perceived he, properly. Yeah, he said, so yesterday, <laughs> of course, I've been asking the UCP for a comment on this. Um, and I did get a very brief, literal two-line statement. Yeah, from Nathan from, Cooper. No, it was from Mike Ellis, I think. Oh, that okay. That first one saying, first one, that yes. was Wednesday night saying, we're looking seriously into this, right. into this matter. So then I'd ask, are anyone else doing it? What are the repercussions? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then five o'clock rolls around. I'm still kind of waiting. Call UCP. Yeah, we'll have something shortly. It was about at about seven o'clock. I went, you know what? I'm not in my office anymore. I'm just going to go home and just check my my emails. So about eight o'clock last night, we got a very short statement from Derek Fildebrand with a very short statement from Nathan Cooper a couple of seconds later. Of course, Derek Fildebrand did in that statement say... I understand the perception of this isn't great, and I've spoken to my uh, constituents. My constituents are never wrong. I apologise. And he said, I'm, you know, leaving the province now for a family vacation. And he's taking his leave, leave of absence. absence as critic. That's finance so, critic. To, to continue the analogy, he's flown the coop. <laughs> so now he's, yeah, so he's taken a leave of absence. Uh, that news broke around 8 o'clock last night. And um, I'm still trying to get... I'm still trying to get more comment here because they are yet to answer if any other UCP MLAs are or were renting out their apartments on Airbnb. I would just like to say I, I would like to speak a word in defense of Derek Fildebrandt because I think his commitment to downtown Edmonton is commendable. <laughs> I mean, he's quite right. Downtown Edmonton needs more people. And to promote downtown Edmonton with his beautiful Airbnb ad, which talks about the sweeping views of the River Valley and how here you are in the heart of everything, I think as a cosmopolitan urbanist, <laughs> I think this is Derek Fildebrandt's way of appealing to downtown Edmonton hipsters and I think mm-hmm. that for all the good people who stayed in his Airbnb and went to remedy for the buttered chicken wraps and walked up to the farmer's market that he has done a service mm-hmm. to downtown Edmonton that should not be forgotten and overlooked. Thank you for that interesting hot take. <laughs> <color. laughs> yeah. You're always defending Derek Fildebrand. <laughs> speaking, um, of, speaking of happy people though, uh, yesterday in Hardesty. <laughs> I just say quickly before we get just to, oh, okay. before we move to the pipelines. An interesting sidebar to all of this, still it's not it's a main story, is that hey, Derek Fildebrand's gone from the province literally for a while. He's away from Vanished. the UCP leadership Vanished. race. And Jeff Calloway now is running for the UCP leadership race. And to me, they're connected because Je- Jeff Calloway, for those of you who don't have your former, don't have your program at home, is the former <laughs> president of the uh, Wild of Rose. the Wild, Wild Rose. Rose, and he's been very critical of Brian Jean publicly, just like. Derek Filderbrand. And Filderbrand was seen as the attack dog in this leadership race. He wasn't actually running, but he was the one attacking Gene and bringing up dirt on Gene and leaving. He's actually a friend and a supporter. He won't actually admit that. He's actually supporting Jason Kenney, but he is an ally of Jason Kenney. So that would allow Jason Kenney to float above the fray and let Brian Gene be attacked by Derek Filderbrand. I see. Let Filderbrand do the dirty work. Exactly. 
So now Futterman was he's actually forced out of the province basically. And with and the same day that happens, Jeff Calloway, a friend and ally of Jason Kenney, enters the UCP leadership race and begins by attacking Brian Jean. So this is going to be the attack dog, um, I guess, strategy that Kenny is running. It seems so obvious. He'll have somebody attacking Gene. It won't be him. So he can't be accused of getting into the gutter and attacking a, a fellow candidate. It'll be left up to Callaway, who yesterday began attacking Brian Gene. Well, he's done that a lot in the past. He already. has, which, which is why he's just fitting into the role really quickly. After Derek leaves, in comes Jeff, and uh, the leadership race continues. Oh, it's going to be an interesting summer. It's already been an interesting summer. Uh, sorry, Janet, you were saying, talking about happy people. Oh, speaking of happy people. So <laughs> <laughs> yesterday, Graham and Dave and I went to Hardesty for uh, the highly, highly orchestrated tour of the Enbridge Line 3 construction site there. And of course, you don't sound really excited. And I was excited. Thing. It was fine. Like I don't get to go. I don't get to wear a hard hat very often. True. Or a safety vest. So, and so, you know. did you ask Rachel Notley a question? Well, personally, no, because I was I wasn't fast enough in the line. But, <laughs> um, no, but other, other reporters, my colleagues, asked the question. Like, lots of questions about Derek Fieldbrand, and uh, she looked quite delighted to uh, to opine on this, and then made that that quip that is uh, turning it. <laughs> People are like, sick burn when they read this. But um, she said, basically, I have a government car and I don't rent it to Uber when uh, <laughs> when, it's when, when it's parked, when I'm not using it. So, you know, there's that. She looked quite happy. She looked very question. delighted to answer mm. questions about that. Well, but the thing is, it's Derek Fildebrandt. If it were somebody else, I mean, let us let us be, you know, to put this in perspective, it's a petty amount of money. Mm. The problem is that Derek Fildebrandt preened and prided himself on being the fiscal hawk, the watchdog, the person who was venomous about government waste in all forms with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And that's why this is, I mean, this is why people are killing themselves laughing. If it, you know, if it had been any other politician, it might still have been skanky. But this is just so delicious. As I'm in a quoting kind of mood, as Oscar Wilde would say, hypocrisy is the tribute that vice pays to virtue. And that's why that's why this is getting so much attention because of Fildebrandt's personality and because of the fact that he set himself up to be holier than thou on this, partic- on this particular issue. How could he of all people not have thought, oh, I wonder, how, I wonder how that would look to other people. Yeah. And when I was talking to him and I said, how, you know, you're claiming this expense and he went, no, no, it's an allowance. And it can go towards, for the record, it can go towards other things, not just simply rent. It can go towards things like parking and, you know, condo fees or whatever. You actually have to pay internet, heating, things like that. You, it can go towards that. But <laughs> I, I, would, I cannot imagine having to pay $1,930 a month for a downtown Edmonton apartment that doesn't even have a separate bedroom. It's just one big it's room. It's a studio. Studio apartment with a well, you know, and, and it's interesting. The CBC put out a list yesterday, nicely, nicely charted, of how much each MLA from out of town has claimed in expenses. Um, There's some odd things. David Swan, who lives outside of Calgary, claimed nothing. So maybe his family already has an apartment here. Maybe as 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 you said, he's dossing down on a friend's couch, um, and other people have claimed different amounts. Cabinet ministers tend to claim the most, probably because they're here the most. Um, But it was really interesting to sort of see who's claiming the full allotment and who's 
who's not. And, you know, um, someone like um, Shea Anderson, who lives in Leduc, had a very small claim, I think, you know, like a hundred and some dollars. So maybe one night he had to stay overnight in a hotel or he had to pay for parking or something. Um, and other people, including lots of people in the UCP, are maxing out their full allowance. And remember, this is on top of a very generous salary. So, you know, think of this as equalization payments for people who live out of town. And, and some of them, too, I know that um, like Brian Jean and, and Kathleen Ganley, both of them just have claimed the full $21,000 or $20,000. And again, we, straight, straight we don't know how much that. they actually pay in rent. That, that's not public. No, no, we'll never know, actually. Yeah. And because I've asked the Speaker's Office for a copy of these leases to see how, like, how much are these people paying. And he went, we can't tell you because there was some kind of court ruling in 1998 that means we will never, ever see. You know, this is an issue that pops up every now and again. You know, it was 1992. It came up with um, out-of-town MLAs who live like a 20-minute drive from Edmonton claiming for the expense in, you know, for like $22,000 back in the day. Um, and there's a, a, a call now by Greg Clark who's really big on this issue to actually mm-hmm. have a review of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like a real audit of the whole system. And the thing is, uh, the MLAs are And really the Canadian Taxpayers yes. Federation want one too. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's interesting, the reaction that the CTF had to the Derek Filterbrand um, case, right? They weren't exactly appalled by him. Um, it's interesting. So his allies, and he used to work for the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, as Paula pointed out, weren't exactly you know jumping up and down on him. They're saying, "Yeah, it's time to review the entire process." Well, no, they told me it's wrong. They yeah. don't know what they don't like what he did. It's wrong what he did, but it would have been wrong if any MLA did it. Doesn't matter what his, the, his ties to yeah. the CTF. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're they're pretty gentle with him compared mm, to muted if, in if, their if being a, a, a NDP MLA. The thing is, so Greg Clark, leader of the Alberta Party wants like, a review of the whole system. The thing is, MLAs are really self-policing. Like, these are the lawmakers. They, de- they decide their own pay. They, they decide their own benefits, basically. They get into a committee. The all-party committee can, can decide these things. And they don't like getting it to a third party because very often the third parties actually say you should be getting paid more. <laughs> and they don't want the public thinking that um, they're getting paid too much. So this is an issue that pops up every decade or so. We'll see what actually happens with this. To me, it's worthwhile reviewing this because as we we're talking about People can claim the actual full amount, $23,000 a year, and not have to provide receipts. And this is an issue, I think, that is still the honor system in a lot of ways. It is. So let's move on now to the... No. (laughs) (laughs) This could go on forever. This is a really interesting topic, but people are talking about it. It is. No. And if if people want to rent out our studio when we're not using it... (laughs) It's got lovely glass walls. And a sweeping view of the River Valley if you squint that way. <laughs> or the newsroom if you squint this way. <laughs> and occasional birds. <laughs> oh, yeah, sometimes birds get in here, yeah. Important. I have a quick question. Yes. Uh, here, I'm at, I shouldn't be asking the questions. That's your job. What happens to Filderbrand now, his career? I, I think if Brian Jean was to win this leadership race. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so Derek Filderbrand has taken a quote-unquote leave of absence from his role as finance critic. There are two right now because when the Wild Roads and Progressive Conservative caucuses joined, they basically just got double the critics. So it's quite been actually quite funny to watch their press releases come out and they always quote both of the critics like they're on equal footing. It's been quite funny. So now there will only be one finance critic for the UCP. But as for what happens... He will not serve as finance critic under Nathan Cooper, who is the interim leader. But once the new leader is elected, they will make that call. I think so, if it's Jason Kenney, he'll have a future in some kind. If it's Brian Jean, 
Not so much. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair statement, Graham. Well, thank you. Yeah. I know Graham would talk about this for three days if you if we let him, but I want to talk about pipelines. I think okay. they're super cool. <laughs> but now, why did why well, we had a segue a few minutes ago? We didn't take it though. Nah, that's fine. Um, so, Janet, you went out to Hardesty. So did you, Graham and David. Oh my God, three of you in this room yesterday. We're in the minority, Paula. We didn't go to Hardesty. So why why was this tour arranged by the Premier's office? I think that's a Graham question. <laughs> <laughs> Pipeline, pipelines, pipelines. The government needs to show some sort of good news on pipeline front because they're not getting that pipeline. We can talk about it in a second. The pipeline west to Tidewater is a big one, the Kinder Morgan pipeline. But they do have the Line 3 expansion, $5.3 billion. Uh, they want which to point is, that which out. Which is not chump change. Exactly. It's a lot of money, 9,000 jobs roughly, direct and indirect. They want to promote this also. It's a way of promoting, look, our climate leadership plan got this, including the carbon tax, because we showed that we we're actually responsible on the um, an environmental front. That got Ottawa, Liberals in Ottawa, to give conditional approval to this, and it's now being built. And in fact, yesterday, of course, Notley referred to our climate leadership plan, and then Kent Hare, <laughs> a federal minister, said if it wasn't for Rachel Notley and an environmental plan leadership, really, uh, this would not be going ahead. Yes, I noticed in the pictures that Kent Hare was there, that Amarjeet Sohi was right. there, that Randy Boissonneau was there, so the feds were out in full force. Okay, so Janet... There was a lot of padding going on <laughs> yesterday. Uh, what exactly did you do out there? Well, we went on a very hot school bus <laughs> with a lot of camera <laughs> equipment. Um, you had packed very, lunches, didn't you? What's that? Weren't there packed lunches or something? Oh, there were sandwiches and granola They've bars. They've been sitting in the water. bus for three hours. Excellent. <laughs> okay, someone's worried about listeriosis, but I, I brought my own sandwich, so whatever. You did. I, I do not take government sandwiches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, she, no. but she resells no. them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just the bologna. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So uh, so we took these buses out to, we, we, they sort of did this kind of circuitous tour where they, they showed us some of the big 500,000 barrel tanks where the oil is stored, and they're going to add three more of those to increase capacity. So the pipeline, uh, which runs from Hardesty to Gretna, Manitoba, right on the Correct. border, uh, they're, they're updating most uh, of that section in Canada, and they're... It, twofold reasons. Number one, the original pipeline's from 1968, so it's old and they're saying, like, we're trying to patch it, but you can only patch old infrastructure so many times. Um, so it's, they're really emphasizing, like, this is going to be so much safer, and not that we had leaks before, but this is so much safer, and <laughs> we've got seven different thicknesses of pipe, and they're all tested with one and a half times the pressure. There's a lot of technical talk, um, and a lot of different colored pipes. And, uh, and then they also, uh, they drove us around to to show us like how the actual work is done so they sort of clear a right of way which is where a bunch of pipes already run underground and then they scrape off a meter of topsoil and then they lay the pipe about 10 meters away from the existing pipe and then they cover back up um, but there it was it was kind of constant talk about safety and consultation and how they had the approval they must have said 10 times like we have the approval of every landowner on this route and everybody's <laughs> on board and we're going to create local jobs and Everybody loves it. It's great. Like there's a there's nothing a bad lot. about this. This is perfectly <laughs> safe and fine, and nobody even asked that question. But it's fine. Now, of course, BC yesterday came out and doubled down on there. We're going to go to court on the whole pipeline thing. Do you think that they it that was literally the, at the same time? Yeah. Do you think the NDP <laughs> here knew that the NDP there were going to be doing that at the well, exact the question time? is vice versa, actually. Mm. Mm. 
if the NDP in BC knew that Notley was holding a news conference to tout this uh, this new pipeline, a replacement pipeline. It was still a new pipeline. Um, that's the question. You know, it's, it's in politics, um, you get very cynical. And, uh, in journalism, you get very cynical. <laughs> well, that's true. And, you know, there's very – in politics, there's often not that many coincidences. Or you can be a lot into the coincidences if, in fact, there is a coincidence. And this one, it looked like they were deliberately doing it at the same time. This is the Horgan government deliberately at the same time, not least having a news conference to tout this new pipeline to the U.S. They're having a news conference to explain how they plan on uh, holding up or maybe um, well, at least having a legal challenge yeah. against the pipeline heading west through BC, the Kinder Morgan pipeline. I thought it was hysterical that Rachel Notley tried to spin that press release as as a softening of the British Columbia yeah. position. <laughs> See, they're they're not they're, you know they're they're, they're I, I couldn't even I couldn't even quite follow the logic of. The she said they're not trying to stop. They're, they're stop stopping, or they stop talking about stopping the pipeline. They're not talking about making sure it's as safe as possible, and that they have proper consultation with First Nations. No, oh, that's reaching. They, they want to reaching. try and stop this pipeline. But the interesting thing is, and Chris Varco had a story today about this. Uh-huh. The legal expert saying it's a bit of a stretch. Like BC, yeah. Well, because this has been approved by the federal government, and there you had the federal government there on display with mm-hmm. Notley at the Line Three announcement. They're all in favor of this pipeline, conditionally approved, mind you, but they're in favor of it. And the federal government, the federal cabinet, has the final say on approving pipelines, and that's been given conditional approval to go from Alberta to the West Coast. So maybe they can try and delay things, but legally, and of course the people behind Notley, literally in some ways, in her office are saying they don't really see this as a major problem. They still see them winning the legal fight. And this maybe it won't be under construction this fall in September, maybe later this fall or early next year, but they still seem really confident this pipeline will go ahead. Just very, very briefly, the other big news that happened yesterday was, of course, Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall handed in his resignation. Janet and I both used to live in Saskatchewan. Yes, and we have interviewed Brad many times. Many, many so times. So you both knew this was coming. You both... <laughs> I, I was Oh, Brad actually quite texted surprised. me earlier and said, oh my God, Emma, <laughs> make sure you check out Facebook Live. I'm totes resigning. Yeah. Yeah. Super tight with Brad. There you go. I, don't know about, I don't know about Emma, but the, the timing surprised me mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I was a little surprised. I was. Yeah. I, mean, because, I mean, when was the election? April of last year. He had a I mean, huge... I mean, it's just, it's just five minutes ago that, he, that yeah. he won a new mandate. Actually, I um, covered the election um, when he won again, and then I started the journal the next week on budget day here that was quite the quite the week of my life so it was april of last year we're talking about yeah yeah so yeah yeah, so yeah but of course 15 16 months ago yeah i mean um they are facing a tough fiscal situation in saskatchewan they released a budget that a lot of people really didn't like it took money from like libraries they they weren't going to pay for funerals for folks who were receiving social assistance and they were cutting the uh, rural bus yep they closed down the rural bus service which has created a whole extra set of problems especially around lab results and stuff people can't get like rural um, medical clinics can't get their samples or whatever you call them into cities to be analyzed now at all anymore so they don't know how they're going to do it so they've also isolated one of their major or they've they've angered one of their major groups of voters which is seniors right yeah who rely very heavily on stc Mm -hmm. i would argue so i wondered initially if it was for health reasons then i heard a little rumbling that maybe 
he was going to be sent by Justin Trudeau to be Canada's new ambassador to the United States or a trade envoy. I mean, I know that he's been going, you know, it's interesting. I mean, McLean's had a really good piece this week about the way Trudeau has got everybody, you know, from Don Iveson to Brad Wall going to the States to make nicey-nicey um, with the state and, you It'd know, be a way of leaders. co-opting. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yep. That's a way of co-opting Brad Wall. Yeah. Because Brad Wall's been a very big critic of Trudeau on the carbon tax, for example. So if, if this is actually something that's actually real, then it's a way of Trudeau quietly co-opting one of his biggest critics. And yeah. even in Saskatchewan, um, Brad Wall has been asked so many times. Even I was there for about four and a half years. Are you going to run for federal politics? Are you running politics? for federal politics? Yeah. Are you learning French? No, 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 no. Every says. single time he was asked that, he would get increasingly more frustrated. Like, <laughs> I don't even speak French. Stop asking me that. And But the rumor was, for has been in Saskatchewan, I would say for the last, <laughs> probably for the last 10 years, <laughs> that when Brad Wall leaves, he wants to be an ambassador to the States. That's He's got his eye on that job, and that's what he really wants to do. So feeling that there's not a shoe to drop on this. You know, at him, a year and what, three months since the last election, he suddenly quits. And so yeah. you feel there's something else coming. There although, was although, he, although he said yesterday, oh, no, no, I've, you're not, no, no official thing planned, uh-huh. but I'm here until November. The surprising thing there, and of course, um, he and Rachel Notley, which is why I'm bringing this up, of course, they have always gone head to head on issues many times. Really, they're always well. He's always picking a fight with her um, before cough before the um, council federation meeting. The premier, didn't premier's really, conference. The premier's conference didn't really happen this year. Um, but the surprising thing is that Bradwell doesn't really have a successor. He doesn't really have someone to step into those gigantic shoes that he has because he is still incredibly popular, the least popular he's ever been. But that's still way more popular than Rachel Notley is here. <laughs> so it, it is a little bit surprising the timing and with the lack of someone to come in and sweep up the SAS party mandate. It's interesting because it takes away this paragon of uh, conservative virtue for the Wild Rose PC. You, you yeah, see, they, P, they love Brad the, the conservatives kept pointing to him, this is the guy who was doing the things right. And of course... Even Jason Kenney tweeted, what, this week or last week? Hey, Enbridge 3 has started. Thanks, Brad Wall, for all your support <laughs> in getting a pipeline built. <laughs> 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 but you're right, Graham, because they do point to Brad Wall constantly, all the time. They heart him. They love him. That's right. And even yesterday, you know, Jason Kenny thanked Brad Wall on behalf of all Albertans, <laughs> yeah. which a lot of people thought on Twitter was a bit presumptuous, given that Jason <laughs> Kenny is not the leader of anything <laughs> and has no seat in the legislature. And who, you know, who appointed him to speak on behalf of all Albertans? About anything, but I guess I could thank people on behalf of all Albertans. You know, it doesn't mean anything. I like to do that on behalf of all Australians. That's right. You know, I feel like I'm really representing uh, Australians here in Alberta. I would just like to say again, on behalf of all downtown Edmonton hipsters, I want to thank Derek <laughs> Feldebrandt for his excellent tourism promotion. And with that, I want to move on to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery. Janet, what do you have for us this week? Speaking of Brad Wall, I'm going to recommend a column by Regina Leader Post columnist Murray Mandrick, who wrote a really nice little opus yesterday to say goodbye to Brad Wall. Um, on he, behalf of all. On behalf <laughs> of just, on behalf of just Murray. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Murray. Uh, and uh, he is no apologist for the Sask Party, and it's just uh, just kind of recognizing the um, the sort of political magic that he had. You know, you may not have agreed with his policies, but he he is an intensely likable and sort of relatable mm-hmm. man, and and it, I think that's a really 
unique thing in politics. So Murray captures that very nicely in his Murray's, song. Murray's great. Yeah, when I was covering politics, people used to say to me, I hate how much I like Brad Wall. NDP voters would say <laughs> that to me all the time. Paula, what do you have? Uh, I'm going to... I couldn't choose between two different pieces in McSweeney, uh, which <laughs> okay. which are very... One is written from the point of view of a Google robot who explains in a send-up of the infamous Google manifesto, which argued that uh, women are not biologically equipped to write computer code. The robot explains that humans are not biologically equipped to work at Google and and, <laughs> and, and in perfect mockery of that Google bros manifesto um, goes through all the ways in which robots are superior. Um, it's very funny. Uh, and McSweeney also has another deadly funny piece uh, imagining American media reaction in the wake of a nuclear war with North Korea. It's written sort of like, you know, and, and who are the winners and losers this week? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, two very funny bits of political satire. I will send Emma the links. Thank you, Paula. I am taking you down under this week uh, you may or may not know that same-sex marriage is not legal in Australia because we are a backwards nation. We are actually having a voluntary mail-in ballot in which people are being asked hey do you think we should uh, maybe legalize same-sex marriage? It's voluntary it's mail-in it's not even legally binding. Did I mention we're a backwards nation? I may have done that. <laughs> so I have a couple of pieces for people to read. Um, New York Times has a very good explainer for people who are new to the issue about Australia's issues. <laughs> um, Australia's gay marriage vote is divisive, even for gay marriage backers, because a lot of them say, this is ridiculous. It's costing $122 million and the government doesn't even have to do anything about it. And that's a fair point, I would say. Uh, the Conversation in Australia has a really good analysis piece as well because the government is actually using the Australian Bureau of Statistics, not the elections people, to conduct this ballot. Never been done before, has absolutely <laughs> no legal standing to it anyway. There's a great analysis there, and I will put both of those links on the website. Graham, you, you look to, confused. I wonder, it's concerning when countries um, put... The rights of minorities yeah, up to a, to a voted majority. Vote. Yeah. Yeah. It happened in, in Ireland, and they actually passed it, and they mm -hmm. allowed same-sex marriage. But you shouldn't be putting the rights of minorities up for a vote of the by the majority. Australia has done this before. Um, I think 50 years ago, it put two voters. It was done in a referendum whether or not Aboriginals should be covered in the Constitution. So good work, Australia. Keep it up. Solid. Anyway, Graham, I'm just really angry about this, so let's go to what Happier you have to news. say. Speaking of North Korea, <laughs> um, this is from Al, Al Jazeera. It's North Korea explained in graphics. It's really interesting, just showing North and South. A few, I think a month or so ago, I think I'd recommended a blog by an expert talking about why North Korea is doing its nuclear program. And he's a really good expert, and he said it's basically because it's a bargaining chip with the U.S. They'll build all this stuff. They can actually launch a weapon against the U.S., They'll tell the U.S., hey, don't like this? Tell you what, we'll dismantle it if you remove all the U.S. troops from South Korea. So it's a bargaining chip. Um, this is where they're headed. But anyway, so this is just the Al Jazeera, just giving you North Korea explaining graphics. It's really simple. It's quite interesting and worth a read. And, you know, just as, as an added bonus feature, do all go find the Jimmy Kimmel clip where he asks Americans on the street oh, yeah. <laughs> if they can find North Korea on a map and a truly, a truly disturbing number of them point Right at us. Oh, good. Right at Canada. That's North Korea right there. Great. Uh, and you're hoping that the person who's guiding the missiles. So if that's North Korea, that means the U.S. is South Korea. <laughs> <It's just laughs> 
terrifying. Janet, Paula, Graham, thank you so much for joining me. And David Bloom as well, here to film some of this and put it online at edmontonjournal.com where you can find all the past episodes of the Press Gallery. You can also sign up to our SoundCloud channel, iTunes, and TuneIn Radio. Hope you join us this time next week at the Press Gallery. Thank you.